You are listening to the Ferndale Library Podcast, A Little Too Quiet, and the scary atmosphere is at a peak for the intro of this, because we are talking about our favorite scary books. Yes, that's right. We're getting into the horror genre, and we have a lot of recommendations for you. We're talking about some of the books that have left a lasting impact on our memories with some amazingly described creepy imagery from some very talented authors. So sit back, relax, try not to get the chills as we dive into some of the scariest books we've ever read. My name is Jeff Milo, your host for this podcast. And I'll be joined by Darlene Hellenberg, the assistant director of the library, and Kelly Bennett, head of circulation. So I brought some books to the table for visual aids, (laughs) and I was trying to narrow down my top five, and I brought six. One's an honorable mention, though. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I couldn't not have mm-hmm. Shirley Jackson's The Lottery on here. Scary. Because I just Yeah. Because I just reread it and it's so it's so calm and straight ahead mm. and calmly regaled, right? And it is some of the most disturbing stuff you'll ever There's like no extra words in it either. Yeah. You'll ever read. Oh my gosh. When I got when I asked you guys to come to a scary story podcast, what was the first book that came into your heads? The first book that came into my head was actually, it was a scene from a book and I had to, actually Jeff looked it up for me, but um, (laughs) I couldn't remember what it was called, but it is a Fear Street novel um, from my youth, which has scarred me to this day. Um, And it it turns out it's cheerleaders, the first evil, not to be confused with the second evil. And it is in that book, there's a scene where a girl is in the showers at school and the showers keep getting hotter and hotter and she literally burns to death and can't like escape. And to this day, I <laughs> do not take hot showers. Why am I laughing? <laughs> Why am I laughing? It's messed That's up, disturbing. man. It's messed Young up. Young adult yeah. book series. Yep. Street. Yep. And it just goes to show the change Still in generation. Scary. Darlene is like one year older than me and I missed Fear Street. It was definitely a 1992 thing and not a 1993 thing. It's true. I was a Goosebumps kid. Oh man. I read Fear Street, but I'm older than you guys. Fear Street was amazing. Goosebumps was tamer by comparison. Way tamer. Not not as gory. No, not as gory at all. Fear Street was full gore. Yeah. They were not. R.L. Stein was like, I'm not holding back. Dead prom queens. Everybody's dead. And violently so. Violently killed. And you're just, you know, casually in your classroom at elementary school reading that in your book bag. Probably sixth grade, maybe seventh or eighth grade. Mm -hmm. It's hard to say. I don't I don't remember time. We were talking about these. This is like a very (laughs) slim little group, because Mm -hmm. if you hit like 10th grade and you were still reading Fear Street, like just read some Stephen King. Yeah. If you're like. 12 yeah. maybe yes. that's when you 12, would start like 12 to yes. 14 yes is that sweet <laughs> sweet fear street spot uh, oh yes <laughs> what, still scared about hot showers what uh books popped in for you kelly here's another one here's one from my youth it's a, it was a little like story collection called phone call from a ghost 
That sounds great. I've never heard of it. Spooky. Yeah. They're supposed to be true. I don't know. We've talked on this podcast about how boring I am and how I don't actually believe in ghosts. (laughs) Oh, we're going to get to that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But there is a story in there called Something in the Room. Mm -hmm. And it was like one of the first scary stories that I thought could be real. Like Mm -hmm. as an old enough kid to be like, that could be real Mm because the details were really like specific. It's about a guy and his family. They move into this house. It seems perfect because he works nights and there's this little room off to the side, Mm -hmm. just enough room for a bed Mm -hmm. and he could sleep in the daytime and the kids wouldn't disturb him or whatever. And then there's like a smell coming from the closet and like a phantom that's like coming at him like while he's trying to sleep in there. And of course, a terrifying illustration. And it was such a scary story to me and my friend Jennifer. Jennifer, shouting out, um, <laughs> who lived across the street from me for years, that we, you know, we'd run back and forth to each other's houses to visit each other. And if it was nighttime and it was time to go home, the last thing you'd shout at your friend <laughs> running across the street was something in the room, and you'd just go like, "Oh God!" and like run, run, run. <laughs> I so love it. she actually sent me a copy of that book, like well into my thirties, like for a birthday gift, and so now I own. I own phone call from a ghost. Oh, that's, that's a so good great. That's really yeah. nice. That's so I like great. That. <laughs> I was never. OK, so I have two scarred moments <laughs> and one of them was from freaking second grade. Oh, boy. That's a long one back when I Ooh. read a uh, fun, scary storybook for kids called In a Dark, Dark Room. Oh, yeah. And I can't remember anything else about this collection of short stories other than that. One of them has a little girl with a choker necklace. And at the end of the story, when she takes it off, her head falls off. It's coming oh, yeah. off. Oh, yeah. That's classic. Uh, that's don't, in don't my ever, head forever. Don't ever take that necklace off. <laughs> was there an illustration or your brain just gave you There was an illustration of the little girl in her bed with the necklace and then just the text, which is a testament to the power of the written word, I suppose. But in terms of running across the street and yelling <laughs> something in the room, <laughs> books never scared me to that to that level but horror films did if yeah. i could just divert for a second i think you should yeah i think we should definitely talk about i had films. older siblings who appropriately question mark showed me the film nightmare on elm street oh. when i was seven years old so <laughs> that meant uh i never went into the boiler room of my basement for about a decade yeah that seems fair <laughs> yeah Really reasonable. Yeah. You you did not make a bad decision on that one. I live I grew up in a pretty strict household and for whatever reason my mom was more like strict about movies. So I never saw any of those. I had friends in fifth grade who were telling me about Nightmare on Elm Street and I'm thinking like, Your mom's letting you watch that? But we could read whatever we wanted. She just mm-hmm. she didn't pay any attention. So mm-hmm. that's where we got our scares. Scary stuff. That's great. So I mentioned lottery at the top. That was very disturbing. The actual depiction of what quote unquote herd mentality might look like, eh folks? Mm. Uh Yikes. Ray Bradbury's my favorite writer of all time. So I have brought something wicked this way comes to the table, which was written decades ago, I'm sure, probably the sixties. But what I like about this story is uh a creepy carnival comes to town and carnivals are always inherently creepy. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But what I like about this story that that I think Arl Stein was pretty good about doing with with Goosebumps was that, you know, you have two kid protagonists and these are two kids who are get into serious danger and the kids have to seriously fend for themselves. Mm -hmm. It's not like there's a there is a parent figure, but they have to fight their own battle, which is awesome. And I think that maybe that that comes forward in 
influences Stranger Things. Who knows? In terms of scary situations where kids have to fend for themselves. No hot showers, though. <laughs> you so. guys, check that temperature before you get in. <laughs> <laughs> what else That's was on advice. your What else was on your minds, or things that scared you, or scarred you, or in general? Um, so this is like book related, but it's an adaptation, and it is the Tim Curry adaptation of it. <laughs> so, like, I don't know why I saw that, and I have since seen the you know the new adaptations, and I've read the book. But nothing in any of those scared me more than the image of him in and out of the spinning clothes hanging rack oh in the backyard of that person's house. That literally has le- has stayed with me. Another thing that is like stuck in my oh, yeah. fear bank for sure. Like <laughs> it is just in there. Anytime I see those spinny things, like I'm a little scared. I, that freaked me out because he's there and not there. And yeah. it like horrified. But how did that compare to the book? What was the book reading experience like? You know, like I kept wanting to be as scared as that. And I don't think I ever really truly was Mm -hmm. that scared. You're an adult now. You're numb to magic. Yeah. And like the, well, the (laughs) things that are scarier in the book is like the relation, like the, the parts that really scared me were, I think anytime that the girl is like in danger of being like beaten by her dad Mm -hmm. or beaten by her boyfriend husband or whatever because they're those parts were like really creepy and and powerless i feel like we should talk about king yeah i read that book i love that book it is my favorite stephen Mm -hmm. king and the things i loved about it were not scary yeah but yeah tim curry had no right being in that piece of crap tv movie (laughs) it was so bad isn't isn't john ritter in it yeah john ritter's in it it does not hold up yeah uh, the thing that scared me the most about that is when they're eating the fortune cookies and there's like the oh, gross God, stuff in yes. there. They did a good job with that in the in the book and in the yeah. in the new ones too. That's gross. Um, but you've talked about how that's a really good book that you that, that's such a good world building book. You kind of just wanted to live in that book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The scares aside, the yeah, characters yeah. and everything, right? For sure. Yeah, it's. I just felt like. Yeah. And uh, I listened to it on audiobook. Um, mm. And there were times in the car, especially at the beginning, when you've got Pennywise, like, we all float down here. Oh, yeah. And that stuff with um, the little boy who goes missing. I'd, but he's so good. And I recently read Pet Cemetery too. I think that's the most disturbing of his books that I read mm-hmm. because it's more about, like, the things that grief make you do and, like, the kind of, I don't know, like, the twisted mindset that like those kind of events can happen like losing losing your child losing a brother or sibling or whatever in that Mm -hmm. way it's kind of has nothing to do with like the demons or whatever that are around it's more about like the human condition and it is like that too you've got this group of kids that come together because their lives are a mess Mm -hmm. and they cling together and that i think that's where you know the real the real good stuff of king is not has nothing to do with like demons (laughs) right because there's always a metaphor uh it is got a lot of stuff about abuse pet cemetery grief shining Mm -hmm. alcoholism and carry puberty it's all Mm -hmm. i i kind of guys i kind of think stephen king's a good writer do you (laughs) yes are we we having hot takes on this podcast so yeah yeah. 
one day accurate. one day i'll actually finish the stand but it's still too soon although i don't i don't love every stephen <laughs> yeah. king book i read though no. mm-hmm. i have to be a real jerk and say that i usually enjoy the movie versions better 1990 it withstanding yeah, well, yeah. i have so. another steve i have a stephen king yes. book on this list that is sure. not not a super well-known one but one that i think i listened to at the right time uh the girl who loved tom gordon yeah and this is one of the first like audiobooks i really got into i listened to it in my car and again i think the things i liked the most about it were like sort of the realism like there's this eight-year-old girl stuck like she's in the woods what would she do what would her thoughts be and the things that would comfort her you know be baseball and her family but it was it was unsettling and uh, I had just been through like a crummy bake breakup. So I was trying to like be not in my own space. And so like l- inhabiting this strange world where, you know, the woods can be a really cool place, especially as a kid. And I played in the woods a lot when I was a kid. And the things that scare you are like natural. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It just that was one that stuck with me. Not so much that like terrified me. Just it, mm-hmm. its scariness was like really seemed realistic to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I personally could not finish that book. I was mad the whole time that she didn't just stop moving and or turn around. <laughs> but I think that I read that at the wrong time. <laughs> yeah. That is a danger, though. That is a danger. Getting angry at our protagonists. Yeah. yeah. I think I think you're absolutely right. Like personally, I felt stuck in my own kind of personal thing. And so it didn't even occur to me that she should stop or whatever. I just felt like, oh, of course, she's going to keep moving. Right. And you were like in your right mind. So you're like, like, this is irritating. Turn it around, (laughs) little girl, like stop wandering further away from where you were. It's real mad about it. My next quick, (laughs) my next quick riff is going to be on classics. And I have... At one point, I submitted my top five favorite books to our staff picks that are on our website, and I said Frankenstein. Ooh. But on this podcast, I'm going to switch allegiances from Mary Shelley to <laughs> Bram Stoker's Dracula. Nice. Because I think that deep down, this book just flat out scared me more. Mm-hmm. Frankenstein's a masterpiece. Sure. It invented the genre. It is the trailblazer. But I think this is the scariest book, and I read it. And I know it's scary because I read it within the last five years. So as a grown up adult who has, you know, lived through the world and possibly become numb, it scared me. Mm. <laughs> and we can bring movie versions to the table because uh, I just did a ceremonial rewatching of the 1992 Keanu Reeves starring Francis Excellent. Ford Coppola oh film, God, Bram Stoker's Dracula. It's such a good one. And one of the best things that that film gets right is there's a scene where little Keanu, 1992 Keanu. <laughs> post Bill and Ted bogus journey Keanu is there <laughs> doing his British accent and uh, he looks out the window and Gary Oldman is crawling along the Clat castle wall. That's creepy. Directly from the book. And when you read it on the page of the book, your skin crawls. Yeah. Uh, and also, you know, I think this book touches into clearly it's taking place in the 1880s, 1890s industrial revolution. There's a lot of travel between countries It touches on stuff about the plague and all that stuff. I think it's written at an interesting time and it talks about interesting things and it's epistolary. It's 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 diaries and letters, which I usually don't go for. So sorry, Mary Shelley. I'm going with Bram Stoker. <laughs> She's mad I think at so. you. She's going to haunt me because <laughs> ghosts are real, right, Dar? Ghosts yes, are real. Ghosts are real. Uh, all right. Tar, what else do you got? Um, as far as classics go, I would like to also give a shout out to Shirley Jackson. 
I just recently read The Haunting of Hill House, Ah. and I definitely was spooked out. There were a few times where I had was reading at night and it was just like, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop here. (laughs) I'm going to stop. And like the not a whole lot eventually ends up happening in that one. But she does build on this just kind of not knowing what's happening around you Mm -hmm. and and being really nervous Mm -hmm. about what could and might happen. Yeah. And um, yeah, it creeped creeped me out. She's a good she's a good writer. Darlene just talked about being sufficiently creeped out kelly (laughs) your last book wasn't necessarily creepy but have you been creeped out to the point of putting a book down oh yeah there i've got two of those but uh, we can do like one at a time what's weird is there's one of them that i can't tell you why because i don't remember the plot enough it's the only piece of information i remember about it uh heart-shaped box oh yeah it's spooky uh joe hill Mm -hmm. stephen Stephen king's King's son (laughs) he couldn't like he couldn't deny his dad at all that guy looks exactly like Stephen. the older he gets it is crazy (laughs) yes yes he is clearly a clone um Talks like him, too. I can remember being in my bed, reading the actual book and just saying like to myself, I can't believe I'm so scared. Like I'm a grown up. (laughs) I live in my my own apartment and I can't keep reading this book. I'm so scared. Uh, I guess it was it just I don't know, something Something visceral in there, but I don't remember what it was. What is that book about? I think there's like a cursed box. Um, It's a guitar case. It's a guitar case. And it's like a rock and roll singer guy, like a Kurt Cobain kind of guy. Yeah. And I think maybe that was one of the things that kind of got me is, you know, we're used to reading old, older, scary stories and we don't necessarily identify with the people. But this was written in like the modern time about yeah. like the kind of people that you like see celebrities right. or whatever. Yeah. And That's I think one. just like with Stephen King, I think his there's a lot of swearing in Stephen King books mm-hmm. and there was a lot in Joe Hill. So the people seem like realistic. They weren't being yeah, like, right. oh, my, I'd be like fill in the blank with a, a swear. Right. Uh, you know, there might have been complete gore and violence in Fear Street, but no swearing. No swearing. That was the difference. Yeah, no couldn't, couldn't let the kids hear swears. No, no, no. <laughs> Stephen King would, though. Yeah. Speaking sure. of books that scared me reading late at night, I have to give a shout out to Amityville Horror. And here's the thing. I had watched the film. I knew exactly what was going to happen <laughs> as I read. I had heard that some of the stuff had been debunked. I still read it and still. Uh, oh, God. I just. Yeah, <laughs> I'm crumpling from the mic even thinking about it. He there's a there's a point also to tie back to one of Kelly's first mentions where there is a priest who's probably trying to help them exorcise the house. And uh, it, the ghosts inside the house start messing with the priest and start finding ways to call his home phone. Ah. And he picks it up and he hears creepy dead ghost voices. Yikes. Yikes. That is uh, that is way up there with yeah. the girl who, who had her head fall off. Right. I'll never forget <laughs> A priest who had a phone call from a ghost. Uh, Too scary. That reminds um, me of the Mothman prophecies, a, a kind of like all right movie. But the things they do with voices and kind of like like odd, just unsettling yeah. noises, scary. that great, that kind of stuff. Great tragedy out. on the river, Ohio. Ugh. And then it loops. Yes. Yeah. Solid yes. film. <laughs> For its uh, ambience. What else you got, Kelly? I love it. Um, this one, you know, I this wouldn't be this wouldn't be a complete scary book podcast if there wasn't something real in there. Oh yeah. Um there's a book called The Last Victim and it's about this kid. It's like a teenager who starts writing letters to serial killers. 
to kind of see what, cause he's arrogant enough to think that he's going to be able to figure out what makes these guys tick. Wow. And um, he starts writing with John Wayne Gacy, who kind of latches on to him, not surprisingly, because John Wayne Gacy killed a lot of young men. Mm-hmm. And like he was getting phone calls from Gacy at home and he actually went to prison to see Gacy and Gacy had was a charming dude. We don't see him as this as that, but is he, he really is was, he like the really handsome guy? No, okay. that was Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy sorry, John Wayne Gacy is like a chubby uh, Midwesterner okay. dude who was like a JC, okay. dressed up as a clown, famously. Oh, that one, Pogo yeah, he's the clown, actually creepy. Yeah. yeah, and he so he goes to visit him at prison. Well, in prison because he was selling paintings and stuff, he had money to kind of throw around, so he. Managed to let the guards like let him be alone in a room with this kid. Uh huh. Real life. Uh huh. Real life. It really happened. Wow. And I, this kid is one of the few people I think who saw what Gacy was like right before he killed somebody. He said it was like a switch went off, and he like grabbed at him, and like luckily the kid made it out. Wow. But that scared me so bad like i don't know what it is i read this stuff constantly i listen to it but john wayne gacy just his manipulation just wigged me out and the fact that this kid knew exactly what the all those 33 men had seen right before yeah so we have it at the library if you're into this kind of thing this one will actually scare you wow yeah he like wrote to lots of other people like richard ramirez and stuff but gacy has always been one that has like pinged my like yeah wigged outness so that's the thing that always uh, unsettles me i think everything in general about a serial killer unsettles me but that switch going off is mm-hmm. what fascinates me the most and speaking of how you were like oh i saw the amityville horror i know what it is what this it kid knew yeah that wow. this man had killed right. 33 young men in his age range and he yeah. somehow still fell for it yeah. still scary <laughs> i want to talk about a switch going off since it is scary movie season i've been re-watching scary movies for some reason, the scariest line for me in the film, Silence of the Lambs, is when the doctor's talking about a moment where uh, Hannibal Lecter killed someone and said that his pulse didn't even go above oh, 80 yeah. oh, God. as it was happening. Ooh, yeah. Creepy, creepy, creepy. Yeah. That's the scariest line of that film. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty good. Anyway, pretty Darlene, what else do you got? Anything um, else? I was wanted to give another shout out to Joe Hill. Um, his graphic novel series, Lock and Key, oh, yeah. is creepy and it's good and interesting and weird and violent and all that good good creepy stuff yeah he's he's good yeah and i i remember reading the first book of that graphic novel series it's really um it's got great illustrations it's got great atmosphere yeah there's a lot of world building going on flashbacks it's it's very good let me and creepy let me quickly put darlene on the spot i have brought oryx and crake to the table by margaret atwood yes because i think this is secretly a horror novel it's pretty creepy you know i've got some things to say about this because there are (laughs) weird pig monsters yeah there are weird pig monsters it has a soylent green energy yes very much so and you know about oryx and crake one of the things that scared me specifically was when she starts talking about how there's people living in these like closed in suburbs and then there's like the plebes that was like the first time she talked i've ever even like heard the word plebes but it's Mm -hmm. like an area where people are not in these like safe sort of controlled spaces could be a contemporary read there's a plague in this one yeah it's a dystopian future just yeah 100 percent dystopian future but like you don't realize that that's part of the story for quite some time and like the fact that there are thousands of people just like living in total i don't 
I don't know how terrible it was bad. I don't remember specifically how bad it was, but that creeped me out. Margaret Atwood is scary. Yeah. I mean, she is there. Yeah. 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 There's, um, she's creepy. And there's a lot to say about how I'm not reading any dystopian novels anymore because of our current state of affairs. Yeah, indeed. And Mm -hmm. they used to be my favorite kind of books and now they've turned into horror. I mean like everyday walking horror. Yeah. So like, there's Can't that meme on the internet that's saying that dystopia has been moved to the uh, nonfiction section of the yeah. library. Yeah, it's uh. awful. It's really sad. <laughs> but yeah, Margaret Atwood is good at like creep, creepy real life, mm-hmm. taking taking everyday things and making them creepy and yeah. like coming. I mean, you know, coming true, things coming true or coming close to true. Or I mean, she has been talking about Handmaid's Tale since they put the show out and saying that that stuff that she wrote about was like based on things that happened in the past. Mm-hmm. So like she didn't even necessarily make all of that up. She, mm-hmm. of course, you know, you embellished know, fi- yeah. yeah, fictionalized and mm-hmm. embellished it and stuff. But like so she has like a, a hand on like just giving you chills a little bit mm-hmm. about your world. Yeah. She's, yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So now I have to go back to reading regular horror books, which I took a break from for a long time. (laughs) Yeah. Because I think I got enough fear and like, how do you overcome, you know, because like that's part of horror too is Mm -hmm. like, how are you, how is the main character going to like see themselves out of this horrible situation? Mm -hmm. And like that, I think dystopian novels was like filling that void for me for a long time. After my Fear Street um, run of (laughs) the whole, you know, all of those, I took a break from horror for a long time. And I think that I got into dystopian novels and now I'm not reading them. So I have to find other things to read. You could try this book called The Changeling. Oh, okay. Which I brought (laughs) by Victor Laval. I remember you talking about this. I read this book a couple years ago and it, it was very fascinating. It is definitely in literary horror. Because it is, it's got a lot going on. It is very much not just about the scares. And then the first first two hundred pages are really mostly just about a couple navigating parenthood because they have a new baby. And uh, there's a lot of references to the main character's parents. There's a generational thing going on. But eventually, the wife starts acting very strangely, and the baby is taken. And the wife disappears too, and it turns into this sort of fairy tale thing where they go to a secret island full of weird hairy beasts and possible witches. And Excellent. I love scary fairy tales. It is a scary fairy tale novel. Okay. I would highly recommend it. And the only other book I brought was Unbury Carol by our very own Josh Mallerman. And I only bring that up because Josh Mallerman used to used to be the guy who hung out in our coffee shop in our library, but now he's famous. <laughs> Uh, and he writes scary books. And he writes really good scary books. Yeah. Of course, he yeah. created Bird Box. But I wanted to recommend this book, Unbury Carol, which everyone interprets as a Western, even though he never mentions a location or a setting at all. But he doesn't even, I think, mention a time. It's some sort of weird, maybe neurological reaction that everyone who reads this book presumes it takes place in the 1870s in like maybe Arizona, but it, it does feel like a wilderness novel of a lady who is buried alive. Yikes. Oh, lovely. Don't get buried alive. Because <laughs> she's got a sort of a narcoleptic thing and uh, and a scheming oh. husband who wants to get rid of her. Yikes. And then there's a creepy uh, cowboy-like villain who, I don't want to spoil it actually. Yeah, stop saying <laughs> It's a good chase. It's a good chase novel. Sounds there's a good. There's a hot pursuit in this one of the villainous cowboy sort of chasing our hero who is on his way to save Sleeping Beauty, who is buried. It's kind of a Sleeping Beauty thing, so. 
highly recommend it. Any other closing thoughts on scariness, you guys? I forgot to give a shout out to The Passage by Justin Cronin. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, like such a good book. And I was think I couldn't think of when you were talking about Dracula. I kept thinking, what's the vampire novel that I'm trying to think of? Mm -hmm. And it is The Passage because it made vampires even scarier. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Like he really like I've I've read and seen some things where vampires are not scary or s- stripped of their powers that make them vampires. But this but the passage by Justin Cronin made them even scarier. Yeah, they're kind of ferocious and, and sort of a 28 days later kind yeah, of thing. And like de-unromanticize yeah. them completely yeah. in such a way that it is just so good. Mm-hmm. So, so good. I was going to say, you know, a lot of people found like the Anne Rice vampire novels like scary. And I sort of shrug at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like those the passage like those are actual monsters mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah very that was a very scary reading that book yeah scared and interested it's yeah it's like literary horror right for sure mm-hmm. yeah and dystopic yeah a little dystopic <laughs> yeah we should say that passages uh part of a trilogy as is at woods oryx and crake so if you do get started on either of those books you you may feel compelled to continue yes the cool part is that we have all these in our collection, so you can place a hold on these books. Yes. That is our scary novel podcast, everybody. <laughs> I don't think it was that scary. No. <laughs> Boo! I thought it was pretty scary, all right? I I dredged up memories <laughs> Yeah, I mean, of yeah. a little girl and her head yeah. falling off oh, and yeah. a ghost phone call. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. And John Wayne Gacy, I think we got pretty scared. Yeah. Check your water temperature, people. <laughs> we'll have... Don't write letters to serial killers. That's a bad idea. <laughs> Not life advisable, lessons, no. Book no. recommendations and life lessons, folks. <laughs> yeah, also maybe check the temperature of your shower. Just, you know. uh, PSAs on this podcast. We will have this list of all the titles we talked about in our show notes. the Scary Books Special Edition of A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library Podcast. I was joined by Darlene Hellenberg, the Assistant Director of the Ferndale Library, and Kelly Bennett, the Library's Head of the Circulation Department. My name is Jeff Milo, the host of this podcast, and it is brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. We hope that you can subscribe and like and leave a review and comment somewhere wherever you're finding this podcast. We're out there on Apple Podcasts. We're out there on Spotify. We're out there wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend if they're into library podcasts. We love talking about books. And today we had a lot of fun talking about scary books. Thanks for listening.